0: It's not the camera, of course, that is scaring us. It's everything behind the camera, the people that's going to be watching, how we're going to say something. Usually it comes down to, this is what I call the, the four plagues that prevents people from being good enough as a speaker. There's perfection, there is the imposter syndrome, there is the fear of disappointing others, and then needing external validation. Brand up.
1: What's up, podcast listeners? First of all, I want to say thank you for listening to the show and also let you know that I have some exciting news that I don't want you to miss. I'm thrilled to introduce the Brendop Podcast pod letter, which is technically my podcast and newsletter all in one. And you can sign up completely for free at www.thebrandupshow.com. And by subscribing to the pod letter, it actually sounds pretty cool. Pod letter. (laughs) You'll be the first to know when a new episode of the Brand Up podcast is released. You'll also get exclusive access to all my upcoming guests, behind the scenes in my own business, live Q&A, plus a free Brand Up training, which will walk you through exactly how to start building your own personal brand online while you generate customers for your own business in a predictable and efficient manner. So I hope to see you in your inbox, www.thebrandupshow.com. What's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Brand Up podcast. Today I have a friend of mine as a guest, Mr. Kit Pang, and um, he's the Founder of Boston Speaks, and here's actually locally here in Boston. We met a few years ago at one of your events, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah. I think I even was to one of your workshops. You help people building their confidence speaking. Now, this can mean speaking on, uh, on a stage, but for today's episode, we want to focus... A little bit more towards people that speak in front of a camera in a podcast setting. And then, of course, the same crowd might end up having their own small events or might land even speaking events. But before we dive into the episode... Kit, you want to give people a little bit of a story on how did you even get started into this industry, how long ago, and then we'll dive into a couple of questions.
0: Yeah, so, and thank you for having me on. So I, I was actually a hip-hop uh, street performer here in Boston, and when my passion and dance started dying down, I saw speakers out there, and I'm like, hey, how the heck are they getting booked and paid to speak? Because as you know, as entrepreneurs, one of the best things that we have to do is to learn how to go speak and to get business. And so the way I got in was uh, I didn't have any experience with speaking, but I would host workshops and go on Eventbrite and meet up and and find places. I would say, hey, I'm going to host a workshop on public speaking, get butts in seats. And then that's how I really started getting into the speaking world. I would do like uh, one event every single day and then get people there over and over and over and over. And now that's what I'm just doing uh, full time. Exactly.
1: Awesome. So I'm curious because you transitioned from being a hip-hop dancer, which had almost nothing to do with actual speaking. It was more of a visual thing, right? Like everything uh, was dancing. So then how and why speaking? What did you find inciting for or exciting for you at that point in time? What was the the main thing that attracted you to this scene?
0: Yeah, I'm going to be very, very honest. So some of you might be listening uh, out there that might want to get a TEDx talk. So the thing was, in that moment, I also applied to a TEDx event and I didn't know I was going to get in or not but I got in when I applied and the topic was about communication. I just I don't know why I wanted to do something with communication and when I got in I'm like oh this is now giving me a boost to do something in communication. So Mm -hmm. it actually gave me an extra boost to go into it uh, as well. So that (laughs) helped me get into it more.
1: It helped you with building your own confidence too to kind of you know, go into the TEDx. Was that the first TEDx uh, talk that you had?
0: Yeah. I only have one. But only yes. one?
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you need more than one, but all right. So, and, and probably a lot of the audiences that you have versus people listening to the podcast or even watching on YouTube or whatever kind of overlap, right? Like at the end of the day, um, especially content creators, people like, you know, online entrepreneurs, online coaches, um, they need to bring their message on camera in particular. Now, some of, the, some, some of them might have had the speaking gig before. And a speaking gig can be, you know, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you can be a, a guest. Let's say we take real estate as a, because we were just chatting about this right before the episode. Um, a, a real estate event, this can be like a lunch and learn. I Actually, on my way here, I saw an ad for a lunch and learn. So that can be 10 people, 20 people as guests, and then you are a speaker in front of that crowd, right? But when you pull the camera to record a video, some people might even find that more daunting because you look at the lens and you don't even know who do you talk to, especially if this is the first time creating videos. Now, of course, we'll dive into this a little bit later in the episode. Podcasting, in my opinion, especially if it's just audio, it's completely different because you don't need the lens, you you know, you just turn on the mic mixer, garage band or whatever uh, other software you use and then you hit record. It's so much easier in my opinion. But video, a lot of people have this fright of looking directly into the lens and then start talking to the camera. Let's start there. How do we build confidence in that direction when it's at first when it's just about uh, doing videos.
0: Yeah, so actually, let me let me step back a little bit. So all of the people that I work with, even though I say I'm a public speaking guy, so kind of like what you're saying, when I say fear of public speaking, or public speaking anxiety, or when we're talking about anxiety over a camera, so most people think it's, oh, we gotta speak in front of a thousand people, and that's when we'll be scared. No, it's the majority of the people that I work with, it's either in front of the camera, in small meetings, colleagues, etc. It's it's usually the smaller situations. Yeah, it's not it's not the b- bigger. <laughs> it's usually not the bigger events. Now, addressing the camera, I know this because I know this is going to sound funny and silly, but we're not scared of talking to the machine. Okay, we're not scared of looking at the, the machine itself. It's not scaring us. It's the concept of what is behind. The machine and so the clients that I have whether they're from Hong Kong to California or here in Boston here's the thing when it comes to anxiety speaking it doesn't matter it's, it's, it's not how old you are it's not what income you make it's not what ethnicity you are it's not what kind of background you had if, if it's not it's if whether you're new or actually you had a lot of experience do you know what's the most common thing among all of my clients I'm curious it's the way that they think so this is funny because how do people in different parts of the world all come to the same conclusion of how they think? So when I say how they think, it could be, oh, when, I, when I'm going to speak, well, people are going to be judging me negatively, right? Hmm. Mistakes and failures are bad. When I say something, when I fumble, then that means that's going to look bad on me. Uh, if, if I look like a, a, an idiot, then that's going to bring down my reputation. If I look nervous... Or if I sound nervous Or if I look nervous on camera Then being seen as nervous Is, is, is a bad or weak thing right? So it's not the camera Of course that is scaring us It's everything behind the camera The people that's going to be watching uh, How we're going to say something uh, it, Usually it comes down to uh, This is what I call the, the four plagues That prevents people From being good enough as a speaker Perfection uh, no, imp- no particular order. There's perfection. There is the imposter syndrome. There is the fear of disappointing others, and then needing external validation. So even let's g- break them down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know. So, so when it comes to the the camera, it it really gets down to those core things. Yeah.
1: All right. So let's let's talk about. I, I feel like the one that's kind of being brought a lot more than the other is the imposter syndrome, especially online, because a lot of people think like, oh, who am I to talk about this topic, right? So how do people, and I have my own opinion about that, Yeah. but I'm curious to find out yours. How, how do they go past that?
0: So when you say that, your meaning of imposter syndrome right now is, uh, is it I don't have, who am I to talk about that? As in, are you saying, I'm not the expert. I don't know enough. Exactly. Yeah. Like for example, from a
1: business standpoint, people, you know, let's say, um, an online trainer that it's maybe been doing this in person for a while, but then it's the first time that he or she is trying to build the brand online. So now again, start recording videos. Might seem for that person being like, Hmm, I've never shared publicly these opinions. I've only shared them with my private clients. So one, again, in a one-on-one setting with somebody else, they are just in their comfort zone. They've been doing it for a while. But now when they have to do that online in front of, you know, thinking TikTok, Instagram, whatever, YouTube shorts can get tens of thousands of views or whatever. And then now it's their opinion. And they know, especially when it comes to like fitness or whatever, it's, it, there's so many ways to burn fat, build muscle and all that. Yeah. Now they're being afraid of, how am I being seen as an expert because I have no credibility online? I might have some in person for that um, example, but there's nothing online that says you are or, or you should talk about this because you have
0: this, this or that. Have, right? have you ever felt this way?
1: Well, I felt it, but in a different way. Scenario. I felt it because English is not my first language. Mm-hmm. So I felt it because I thought my accent is going to matter a lot more than... Ac- I mean, nobody gave a crap. Like, I've never had a, a negative comment about my accent ever. And then, of course, if I would have tried to maybe do videos about how to improve your English, maybe I would have, right? But then I was talking only about the things that I knew. And then my superpower was always... This online marketing game client acquisition and then uh, personal branding because uh, it's my, my main passion but I've never had one comment about that and but it took me I don't know it took me probably a year to, to go past that so that was my thing it wasn't necessarily the imposter syndrome because I wasn't talking about things that I didn't know I had some some type of result in it but my fear of the camera was about was because of this was how oh, am I going to be judged? People are going to crucify me because of my accent or whatever, right? Because I was listening. All the people that I was listening to, they were native English speakers. Mm -hmm. So I was comparing myself with them. I wasn't comparing myself with another person that was well-known and then had an accent. So I think, in my opinion, that's why I was struggling with it. Yeah, Especially yeah, and I want
0: to I wanna go back to your, to your answer, but I mm-hmm. want to touch upon this real quick. Yeah. The biggest mistake, actually, let me share this um, story first, and I'll, I'll explain yeah. this. So there was a book that I read. It was called Upstream. That's the name of the book. So what does upstream mean? It means to go to the root of the, of, of the problem, but they shared this uh, health parable, and they basically, it was this story I'm going to share now. So imagine there are these two adults uh, having a picnic next to a river, and then suddenly there's a kid that comes drowning down the river and one of the adults like oh my god you know he he jumps in and go saves the kid and while the first kid is saved he sees another kid and then there's another kid now both of the adults are in the water saving the kids and so eventually more kids coming down and then one of the adults gets out the water and the person's like what are you doing we got to go save the kids and the person said well, I'm going to go upstream to see what the heck is happening that all the kids well, the are coming kids are down in the first place. Yeah. Yes. So the biggest mistake is that people are not addressing the cause of the fear. What they want to do is practice more and learn more speaking skills. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this 100 times, so I'll be confident on camera. Don't get me wrong; that's not bad. But let's say your example, you were caught up. In, not saying you, but most people. Let's say with an accent. Mistake number two is they're trying to. They're too busy reacting to the symptoms. Like the kids coming down. Oh my God, all the kids are coming down. I have to react to that. I mean, how could the accent? The accent. Oh my God, I have to have a better accent, right? I got, I got to learn better English. I got to pronounce this better. I got to do all of that. Well, they're not really addressing the cause of it in the first place. So we're too busy reacting to everything else. And because we're too busy reacting to everything else, we don't have the time to go and find out, well, what's really Roots causing the root of the problem. The root of the problem. So most people get too sidetracked. So this now, now I'm going to bring it back to the, the expert, right? So some people think, I'm not the expert. Well, what do people? what's the mistake that people do? They try to learn everything. But first, they have to address and really ask themselves, is it that I don't feel like an expert? That's why I'm not able to give value, right? And so if they, you know, the, the mistake is, oh, I just need to learn everything. In order to be the expert one day, but they don't take time to question what does that even mean. What that what does that even mean to them? Okay, so I'm I'm saying one of the that's one of the first things uh, we need to do.
1: No, and I, and I think it makes sense. Um, and I'll tell you a quick story because this applies. My perfect example is my wife. Uh, she has this beauty salon here, and uh, not too far from here. And when COVID hit, her salon was completely shut down. So I said to her, all right, you've built a skill set for the last two to three years. Let's put that into an online course and sell it online. Now that you're going to have so much time not being able to go and and offer your uh, services. And then the first thing, of course, that she was struggling with was, well, she had two. One was same thing, uh, the accent. And then two was well, I've only been doing this for two and a half years. There are people that have been doing this for longer than me and they still don't teach this. Why should I do it? Mm. And I said, well, look, you're not going to try to teach those people. You're going to try to teach yourself two and a half years ago when you first got started and you started doing these uh, eyelash services in in the bedroom. That's the person that you're going to help. You're not going to help somebody that's already been doing it for, you know, two, three times the amount of years that you've been doing. It. And when she heard that, she are like, mm, actually, that makes sense. So then the first student that she enrolled and then the second and the third and people were like so happy. She got great feedback. Then she started like really uh, feeling comfortable on, on camera. And then she started to like really pop content. And uh, her, her podcast and YouTube channel kind of blew up pretty quickly after that. So, but that was the same thing for her. I was like, all right, you're not going to be this type of expert that you're going to help the people that have been doing it for so long. You're only going to be helping yourself, you know, the the same student that you were two and a half years ago. So focus on those people. Think about what questions you had. So I guess, you know, in in that regard, that was my story, kind of seeing it in real
0: life. So, well, I think we can take a few minutes because we're talking about in- imposter syndrome. What we're really talking about is redefining how we're giving value. And we can actually sw- switch your mindset really quickly for imposter syndrome. I just want to speak a little bit, okay? So what's the point of having an expert in the first place? Mentor. So, yeah, yeah, but 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 why does someone want someone that's more of an expert in order to get results faster? Yeah, Correct?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: So the point of being an expert is hopefully that the audience will gain faster results. So the goal is not to be the, the most smartest person in the world in the business sense. The, it's the person who can get people the fa- results the fastest yes, yeah. and the best and the most effective. Okay. Now, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a story that one of my mentors told me. He said, oh, kid, if you're on a beach and you see someone drowning and you go save them, and you saved them and now the person is saying oh thank you so much for saving me does the person care how you save them you care how if they were on it do, 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 do they care if you were on a jet ski or you swam over there they just want to be saved so sometimes we say oh we have to have the best knowledge it's not knowledge that your audience wants they want to be saved so if I mean who would you who would you actually rather choose? Would you choose a person that has 25 years of experience and have a lot of knowledge or would you rather choose a person who has one year of expertise but getting results for people a lot more a lot more testimonials than the other person that has no knowledge uh, or no 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 real results at, at all right So what I'm saying is this is the tip 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 of it is to redefine Value Because having more expertise is perhaps a good way to get people value. However, there's a flaw in being an expert as well. It's the curse of knowledge. For people who have been experts for 30 years, the downside to that is they get stuck in the ways of thinking. Because they get stuck in the ways of thinking, they haven't seen the new way of how people are doing it now. Because you're new, you actually have an advantage. You're learning everything that's on the spot right now. The people who's been doing it for 30 years, they're like, eh, we've been doing it our way. It must be working. They don't even look at the new ways anymore. So even when you're new, that's a big, big, big advantage because you're learning everything about it right now. And that might be more helpful than people who have had 50 years of experience.
1: Yeah, and then to, to what you just said, a lot of times if you look at a person that's you know, 10, 20 years ahead of you, I even feel like, oh, there's too much of a gap between me and where that person is versus me and the person that's only a year and a half in front of me. I can easily, you know, merge that gap much quicker. Yeah. By, right. Because it's,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, well, 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 there's that. a saying that goes, if you are a fifth grader, you're an expert to a third grader. Right. Meaning if you're a college student, you're, yeah. you're far too removed. Right. In order to help people, your audience is just looking for their next step. The next one, two, three, four, five steps. You know, the, the, the more... You know, sometimes if you talk to people, I think, who's too smart, they can't define it. And they're, like, they're like, you're not at my level. I mean, and they've forgotten what you need to do. So, yeah.
1: No, that makes uh, perfect sense. All right, what were the other three? Perfection. Perfection. All right, so how do you define... Does that fit into the whole expert thing? Or you just... Perfection when it comes to your way of communicating? What,
0: well, what? let's say talking on camera, okay? When you shoot your video... How many takes are you gonna take? Are you gonna take five hundred takes? If you take, if you, if, I would say here's the rule of thumb. I know it depends on right. Go for two to five takes. I'm going to say three because your fourth and fifth and other ones will probably be the same as the okay. third one. But we get into perfection mode because we're saying, oh, I had an um there, and my mind blanked out there. I didn't say it correctly there. So our perfection is coming into play because we're not looking the way we want. We didn't say it the way we scripted it. We didn't say it the way we want it to sound. We want everything to sound and look so perfect that it takes us 100 take and nothing's even out there.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I feel a lot of time, well, I guess with video it's it might be a little bit easier quote-unquote versus having a live speech or maybe a live webinar or whatever because on a video you can always remove some of the things that you might have said that you don't want on video and you cut it but then when it comes to the way that you say it it's it doesn't have to be perfect like for example you know i just told you before this interview let's make this conversational i don't want to like i have the questions that i want to ask you but i don't want to make it scripted because I want to dive into the answers that you're uh, answering to, to my questions because that's what real is. Like if we would have this conversation at a cup of coffee, I would not bring my questions and then just yeah. read them from <laughs> right. So I guess yeah, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, third one.
0: Well, actually, one more thing I want to touch on perfection. Yeah. I th- this happened to me. I think th- this happens to everyone. We gotta have the perfect gear. We gotta have the perfect video uh, a camera. We gotta have the perfect equipment. And if you if you watch anyone that's been doing videos for years, they'll be saying the same thing. You just you just need a regular phone, and you can just do everything nowadays. But everyone's want the, they want the uh, they want the good setup. They want the good background. They want the good gear. Right. I, that's why it takes us so much time to even put out you know, a video yeah. to, to do all of that. No, that
1: makes uh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot. I mean, these phone. I, I was pointing at the um, camera because it's technically the phone. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, these these phones now, like you film 4K, you can adjust anything you want in it, like the aperture and the like. it Doesn't this phone actually records same quality that my Sony uh, camera? So it's pretty yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh,
0: third one. So we had imposter syndrome, perfection. The the need for external validation.
1: All right. Now, what does that mean when it comes... Like, Are we talking just about comments when it comes to... to, Especially with with video. Yeah. Talking about external validation from people. So I was... um, You're probably familiar with Shan Cannell with Think Media. I saw a video from him uh, today. And he was saying, you can get 99 positive comments and one negative... You're gonna focus on that negative for the entire week. You're probably gonna forget about the other 99 that were positive. Is, does that have to do with
0: yeah, that? same thing, right? External validation. It's kind of like what you're saying. When we when we're putting when we're exposing ourselves out there, either people will like it, they'll ignore it, or do nothing with it uh, at all. And yeah, sometimes those things can be hurtful. But some people were just so attached to oh, if this like what you're saying, if that person said some, something like that, it must mean it's true for me right so the the longer that uh, this is the going back to having people judge us negatively mm. right people don't want to people get scared of putting themselves on camera because they don't want to be judged negatively right i mean what's the difference well would you s- go on camera and send it to your best friend yeah it's easier right but not to other people so it's not even just shooting the camera or shooting yourself that's the problem it's the people that is watching at the end of the day, okay?
1: How do you personally coach your clients when it comes to this to kind of avoid that uh, necessity of external validation? Like, how do, you, how do you walk them through, hey, like, let's, let's break the barrier of this? Or how do you, what's your process?
0: Yeah, uh, my process is more of helping people see it differently. Okay. And so what I mean by that, I just want to give a note, like I'm more of a research. uh, I like the research stuff. So there was a study on stress a while back, one of the biggest studies on stress. They took 30,000 people and they asked them these questions. Did you experience stress? And do you think that stress is harmful to your health? So eight years later, they found out from the public records who died. Unfortunately, 43% of the people who experience high stress, they die earlier. Here's the kicker. Only if they believed that stress was harmful to the health. So let me say that again. People who had high stress but also believed that stress was harmful to the health died 43% earlier. Well, what about the other people? So people who had high stress but did not believe that stress was harmful to them, they had the lowest risk of dying earlier. Even lower than people who said they had moderate amount of stress. So what I'm saying is how they looked at stress. Made all the difference Okay. So what I'm saying is When you are being judged The key is We are afraid That people will see us As a human being And they're judging us Based on our imperfect selves Our flawed human side The way we say things And so we're really uh, Having people scared of seeing us As our human selves Now Here's the difference. Why do some people have more confidence? Because they are okay letting people see their human selves. Even though they still make mistakes. Even though they still get nervous. Even though they might uh, have verbal blunders. they, They look at how other people see them as human selves differently. So what I'm saying is, it's a mindset shift into when people see ourselves as human beings to the general public how do we look at that though so that's one starting point to that
1: so let's translate that into uh the online world to be to, to kind of shift the mindset of people thinking all right if i'm going to get negative comments the fact that the person took time and and i have you know this happens way more when you're trying to uh, promote at least from what I've seen uh, I'm getting like more hate in the ads that I'm running that I'm getting on the no well, of course it's also the fact that it reaches more people yeah
0: right yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but typically, I used to get bothered by this uh, when I started my first set of ads, uh, but then I realized, hmm. The first time that I realized this was when I promoted the first video without having a call to action. So it was more of a branding exposure awareness type of ad. So I didn't have a call to action. I didn't say click here to uh, sign up, download this, get this, apply none none of that. It was just simply a brand awareness ad. So it was uh, one of my most um, commented or, or no, one of my most saved videos and then I promoted that to a wider audience. And then I, I, I got, I think, two or three negative comments. And I was thinking, man, can you imagine what it, what goes through that person on the other side of the screen? What goes through their life if they saw a piece of content that was literally just three simple steps to uh, make your business more profitable or something like that? Uh-huh. It was, or generate more customers. For them to watch a 45-second video with no call to action, nothing to ask in return, just watch it or skip it. For them to take time of their life and go write a negative comment. I mean, they must be in a really dark spot <laughs> in their life, right? And then I realized, like, damn, this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with them and whatever they're going through. And then I started to respond to comments. Mm. Um but without actually you know, throwing rocks back at them or anything like that, I was actually like legit asking them. And then two out of the three responded back and all of them answered back. Actually, I'll, I'll try to uh, look for this ad and put screenshots on the screen. All of them ended up like the conversation saying, oh, dude, I'm sorry, actually. Um, I didn't mean to uh, write that negative comment at mm. first. Both, you know, two out of the three because one didn't respond. So then I realized like, them, can you imagine that this is not, has nothing to do with me as the creator? It has everything to do with them. So I guess
0: you know. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to think about it, you know, because you never know wh- what what condition, emotional space that the, that other people are in. So and and we just don't know. Right. We can, we can't assume because maybe some of them uh, they just had a bad day and they just want to beat everyone up that day. <laughs> They're just taking it out on you, right? So that's a good, that's one. Another thing about you saying negative comments, I. As a business owner, as an entrepreneur, if you're not getting haters, then actually you're not having a good business.
1: You're not promoting enough.
0: You're not you're not being <laughs> successful. If you if you if you actually don't have haters, then you are not successful yet.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, If
0: you look at any great influencer out there, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, to Grant Cardone, to anyone that you follow, do they all have lovers and haters? 100%. Yeah, and because they have haters, that's why they're so successful. So the more so I think a good number that you can also count is how many haters do I have because the more I have the more successful it I am.
1: It means like a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people know you so you have
0: a lot yeah. of Yeah. So haters. You, you have to have haters. So if you're not getting haters, you need more haters. What well, what does that mean? If you have more haters, that means you're actually giving a point of view that someone Separate doesn't like. From. Yes. Yeah. And therefore when your point of view or your concept that you're working on gets so strong it ha- has haters, and I, th- I think that's a very, very good thing.
1: Yeah, it, it's... Um, I forget now the word, um, but it's... Because if you're trying to just be nice to everyone, it's that's not going to do any good in the long term, right? Yeah. You have to have a point of view that will piss someone off, and then it'll attract the diehard
0: fans, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right, um, what was the fourth? The fourth was... Uh, uh, so the, the, the fear of
0: disappointing others.
1: Okay, and when we're talking about disappointing others, is it disappointing the people that we talk to? Like in your case, being you know the audience that people are talking in front of, or in this case, audience online, right? Same, yeah, like the, the,
0: the, the the audience online. Maybe if you have uh, people that you're working with, your mentors, as, as in like, oh, if I put myself out there, the people that I work with, I'm not going to serve them as the highest purpose, right? Maybe my friends, I'm going to disappoint my friends. I'm going to disappoint my audience. The content is not good enough. Right, mm. uh, they're going to be disappointing in me. I'm, let, I'm letting people down.
1: And how do we teach people to go past that? What, what's your um, view on that?
0: Yeah. Uh, think about what's in your control and what's not in your control. And so what's in your control is the content that you can put together. It is what the, the, the practice you can put in, the amount of time you can invest in it. What you cannot control, even if it's your best friend, Is what they're going to be thinking Right So what is in your control Versus what is out of your control Uh, Again this A a lot of this This goes back to other people It's just like Hey This is what They could be thinking about Uh, The reason I'm bringing up The fear of um, Disappointing others So in America That's a little bit less In other cultures Let's say Japan So when they have a fear of speaking It's not that Their personal brand Will go down is that they're afraid they're gonna let the whole family and, and and friends down, so it's a whole cultural thing. So fear is a cultural thing too, depending on on, on where That's we're looking. Yeah. In America, it's more like my my reputation. I'm gonna look bad, and and some other cultures, it's not it's not. I I will look bad. I'm gonna make other people look bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, and I think um, this can also apply. Depends again where you're coming from um, in the world, but. You know, you have this, especially families with immigrants, they want their kids to maybe have certain jobs. And I guess this applies to um, native, like, U.S. families as well. Their parents want their kids to, you know, go to a a highly rated school, get a good job, and then when the kid comes back and says, well, you know what, I actually want to be a YouTuber, I want to be a podcaster, I want to be a TikToker. Parents go crazy. So does that kind of play into the the into this factor? Oh I, yeah, I yeah, thinking, definitely.
0: Hey. Definitely. Depending on your audience, depending on on where 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 you are, who you're located, uh, who where, where you who you have. Or let's say maybe you, you you you're having an interview. You're doing a collaboration too. You know all these different things. Maybe you're just not by yourself, right? Uh, maybe you're letting your team down if you have a team. Maybe you are sometimes even letting yourself down, right? There's many things that goes into it, uh, but the thing I have to say is when it comes to the camera, you really have to think of this as um, it's a different medium, and medium being being the way that we communicate. So some some of you out there listening, you might be amazing speaking one on one, but when you just speak on camera, it's just a, it's just a different way of communication. So if you if you of course look at celebrities and politicians, they just master the skill of talking to the machine. They might be even better talking to the machine than people because it's a different medium of of doing it. So it's really learning how to look at that dot, right? Look at that camera and getting used to it in one way talking to that camera. So that's one because it's just it's just a different medium at the end of the day.
1: 100%. So how do you look at these two and say all right, how uh, in terms of um, building confidence on speaking one-on-one. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday I saw Russell Brunson saying this in a, in a video, saying that he's doing great speaking in front of tens of thousands of people. I think the last time that he spoke at um, 10X, was like 30,000 people in the crowd. But then he said he struggles so bad when it comes to speaking one-on-one with someone. He say, He says, like, if I meet you in an elevator or if I meet you somewhere and you come up to me, I just I don't know how to start the conversation unless you start asking me questions and, and things like that so you think about a, a guy to his status you know a- acknowledging like oh one on one I'm actually struggling and then you have the other crowd where like you said they're good one on one but then when it comes to camera when he comes to speaking in front of a couple more people the fear of whatever not having the confidence or whatever that is kind of settles in how do we fight that regardless if it's one-on-one that you're struggling with or do you do you separate these two do you think it's different like it's a different type of confidence that you have to build to speak one-on-one versus when you speak to more people you
0: still gotta go back to kind of like upstream and the root causes but maybe some of you are actually looking for techniques and strategies i'm not sure if you're asking that but i can definitely give like in the moment things that you can do uh, that as well but it's the it's the going deeper that's the longer thing but actually let me give some techniques and strategies because. People are looking for this yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of stuff. So usually, what happens is that we uh, have, have. Have you ever heard of yips in sports? Y i p s. No. So when you play golf or soccer or whatever the sport is, uh, you can't you can't kick the football anymore. They've been playing playing um, uh, golf and they can't hit the ball anymore. People say, "Oh, you missed like five times. You must have the yips." What does that mean? That means they get self conscious, and because they get self conscious, the body m- mechanics doesn't doesn't play as well even though they practice many times and they have the skill when they overthink in the moment because they're overthinking then they're not being in the moment okay and that's why the mechanics really that's why the performance goes down so when we say we have a fear in that situation we're usually very self-conscious that is what is happening so, in, in, I'm relating this in sports because it's exactly, it's exactly the same thing. So, what happens when we get very self-conscious? Our left hemisphere of the brain, the, the, the logical side of the brain, lights up more. Now, when people are in, in the flow, they're usually on the right hemisphere of the brain, which is more of the creative side of the brain. So, studies have been done. This is going to sound far-fetched. If you want to get yourself out of uh, being self-conscious... Make a fist with your left hand. Okay. <laughs> now, why for does... Real? This yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm being for real, okay? <laughs> so, make a fist with your left hand because what they found out is that when you make a fist with your left hand, it activates your right hemisphere more again. So it brings you out of that logical um, conscious side and brings you back to the side where that's more creative. They actually did studies on this with baseball players. Those who got like more performance anxiety gripping the ball of the hand versus gripping the ball of the left. The people that was gripping the ball of the left performed better at the end of the day. When yeah, okay. So Interesting. I told this to my wife once because sometimes my wife looks in the distance and looks at a spot and can't get out of that spot. And she was like, "Kit." Uh, I tried this left hand grip thing that I did, and when I gripped my left hand, I, I snapped out of it and went back to went back to it. So, what the goal of this is, we get self conscious, and because we're self conscious, you can. This is one technique. You grip your left hand, bring you back into reality.
1: Interesting. Like I have to, I have to try that. <laughs> like it's because it sounds. I don't know, <laughs> but because you're conscious about it, is that still? Does that still apply? Well, I guess, right? Well, if the study has been done, I'll have to try to, <laughs> to kind of test it on myself too. All right, so that's a little bit of a, of a trick, like really in the moment. And um, actually, for those of you guys that are listening or watching, I'm actually curious to, to hear uh, any of their opinions. So when we talk about something long-term to do, to kind of fight... Those I I don't know if it's emotions if it's whatever people think uh, there's actually uh, I I told you this at the beginning of this interview one thing that worked for me really well was especially at first uh, recording videos because again it was one thing to record a video on my phone like it didn't quote unquote scare me as much but then when I put the cap the actual camera with the lens and looking at the lens it kind of became a little more. Uh, official in a way like mm. oh now it's actually a like camera I have to like look a certain way whatever so what I did is I actually uh, placed the camera 45 degrees in a 45 degree angle so I was not looking at the camera anymore and I just had a mic in front of me so almost like a podcast setting type of thing but I was looking at the screen of the computer laptop and then the camera was filming again at a 45 degree angle so me not looking directly into the camera it actually helped me a lot, especially the, uh, until I kind of got some confidence uh, going on. And then after that, of course, with doing it more and more often, it became much easier. But I actually shared this on a, on a podcast, mm. so I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion about this.
0: Yeah, I think everyone has something that works for them. You know, if you, uh, just to piggyback off of you, so let's say something that you can also do very easily, uh, grab a friend. Grab someone to do the video with you because when you have someone and you're both on the video, it's more of a conversation and it flows easier. So you can do that a few times. Uh, Almost uh, like an interview type of yeah, interview. do an interview. The person is asking yeah, yeah. It just it just flows easier for 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 most people. Most people, yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, and then if it's something that people can actually do long term, so let's say you know you make a goal. All right, at the end of this year, I want to speak at least on another one or two so let's say they build up enough confidence to do videos now they do videos right let's take it a step further into your world now they want to speak maybe at a at a workshop or maybe they want to land some type of speaking engagement or whatever and now it's a different type of confidence that or is it
0: no it's, it's similar type. it's very similar
1: <laughs> so how do yeah. you go past now the fact that okay my videos have been seen by uh, whatever number of views they're getting, but now they have to go and present in person. Regardless if it's twenty people, ten people, a hundred, maybe more, whatever yeah. the
0: situation. So well, they have to ask themselves first, what is scaring them? You know, most people just say, "I'm scared. I gotta, I gotta do more reps." Uh, they, but they still never explore and ask the question: If I st- either if it's in front of a camera or I have to stand up in front of people, what the heck is scaring me? And they just don't, don't take time to, to... Again, to go back to the root problem? To go back to the root, okay? There is, now, there's something that I'd like to share. Um, I'm, I'm going into like too much study land today. Maybe this is the last one. There's, there's, an, there's an experiment called the Little Albert experiment. And so this was done back in the 1920s. It's, it's not ethical now, but you know they do. Like, you can, they can yeah. do this stuff back then. <laughs> so the scientists wanted to see if he can instill fear into the baby, which is little Albert, okay, and so he would have little Albert, you know, sit down, and then he would place a rat in front of little Albert. What do you think happened when when the rat was around, like crawling around little Albert for the first time?
1: How old was little Albert? Like
0: a baby, baby, baby. Baby like, like
1: probably didn't know what the yeah <laughs> 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 like, going on, so he so didn't so care. Yeah,
0: so the kid was actually like this is actually on YouTube, so you can see the baby uh, laughing. Like, uh, smiling, like, like, ooh, it looks like, what is this animal? So eventually, the scientist uh, left, le- left the rat out again. But this time, he took a hammer and made a loud, scary noise. So the mouse would come, uh, loud hammer noise. Loud, uh, you know, mouse, loud hammer noise. And because the baby would hear the loud hammer noise, the baby, little Albert, started crying. And then eventually, he took the hammer away, and only the rat came out. Now, when little Albert only saw the rat... He would start crying because
1: he was associating that with the
0: with the loud noise. So now he sees the rat as a, as a monster rat. He was conditioned to be scared of it. Now, and th- so this is a very interesting question. So if you just let's say this is public speaking or a camera, or, mm-hmm. or, or if you if you only place little Albert in front of a group of people speaking and do that ten times. Will little Albert be scared of speaking if he only just was placed in front of 10 10 groups? No. Why not? Because there has to be some kind of stimulus, which is the hammer. Okay? So in our case, what is usually the hammer? It's our way of thinking. We're hammering ourselves over and over. Unless sometimes you get negative comments, right? That can also be the hammer. But we have been hammering ourselves with our negative thoughts, the way we're looking at the situation. So we're not looking at the situation clearly. So what am I saying? What if little Albert was able to see the monster rat as only a tiny little animal again? He would be free from fear, right? So the question now goes back to when you get behind a camera or you're speaking into people what is what is the rat? Actually, a question for you. What do you think is the big rat for people when they have to speak behind a camera or when they have to speak in people? What is the What are the rats? It's not just one, but what are the rats?
1: I guess one would be just the fear of, again, it's, it's the fear of unknown, the fear of being judged, again, by not being yeah. the expert. Well, in the
0: here's a question that, to make it more clear. So if we ask little Albert what does he not want, he would probably say, I don't want to see the rat. Right. right. So, if we asked you, the listener, or you too, what is it that you don't want when you're speaking behind a camera or when you're speaking in front of a crowd? Like for you, uh, it was maybe your accent before, right? Right. Yeah, that was. The so, point. what is it before? What is it that you did not want?
1: What did I not want? Yeah. Well, not- again, it was for me. I was. I did not want to be judged because of my accent but i never was so that was the whole thing well, how do you, you how, my how do
0: you look about how do you think about your accent now do you i don't s-
1: care about it because what happened was i realized over time nobody
0: ever cared about it how do you see your accent now i i don't see it i never <laughs> i don't you, think d- about it do you see your accent just as oh it's, it's my accent it's it's actually part of my
1: story now like i am happy bringing it up and i'm acknowledging the fact that i'll probably never lose it Completely But it's But I don't mind
0: it like, okay. I don't care about it So in your situation Right In the The accent Is the tiny little animal But before You saw Having an accent As this monster Now You don't see that monster in, Nothing changed It's just the way That you way saw no it I think, yeah. yeah So you Don't see it as the monster Accent anymore <laughs> So what What I'm saying is It's what is it that you don't want in your and you know the listeners' inf- uh, case, and you have to challenge? Why do I see it that way? How did I come to the conclusion? Why am I looking at it this way? That's the beginning,
1: and I feel like like in my case that was I was just too much in my own head because again it never really happened to for someone to even critique it like in in person or online it was just me thinking that that's gonna happen Correct. Like you never so yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> but it's a it's a good now i like that stuff like i want to go and actually watch the, the youtube video to see because it seems a little extreme like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know back in the, 19, the 1900s yeah they were allowed to do
1: that <laughs> um so i'm curious to find out what do you see with your own uh clients what other ways because these are the things that I'm noticing uh, myself through comments or through other people's um, interactions, have, you know, when it comes to confidence, speaking on camera, uh, speaking on a podcast, whatever, what do you see different? Like, what are other things that people are struggling with when it comes to this? Or what are other reasons that people might bring up when it comes to, uh, to this topic?
0: Now, I'm going to pose a very serious question. Now, this may make you rethink how you're maybe... The reason we're talking about going on camera Is because we want to grow our business And maybe make more income Is that one of the biggest reasons, do you think?
1: I mean, in in my audience's case And even in my uh, case So
0: now we have the question Do we really have to do this? How did we come to the conclusion That everyone needs to go on camera And build up Now, okay, now I'm, I'm even questioning that right? So what I'm saying is we just say, oh, we have to make videos. We have to do this. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a good perspective on that. But I have to, I have to put so much content. I have to put so much video. But I'm forgetting. Am, am I forgetting the end goal? What What is the end goal? Maybe it's to help people faster and earn more money. Because we're thinking if we make more videos, therefore we will make more Reach money. More people. Yes. Now no, I'm saying, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. If you do, if you do make more videos, there's a possibility. But what I'm saying is, Sometimes people they come to me, they're like, "Kit, I have this big fear of public speaking uh, of, of going on, on on video, but they feel obligated to make videos because everyone else is making videos now I'm not saying to to avoid it, but I'm saying, really question, do you actually need to go on video in the first place just because everyone else is doing it?" Yeah, I feel
1: yeah. to answer directly to that, um, it really depends. The type of business that you're in, because in some cases, um, it really has to do with what's the end goal. Like, for example, I'm talking about, let's say we're talking about a brick and mortar, let's say a construction company, right? Now, do they have to create a ton of videos because they want to be more known? Maybe not, because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily a, a sexy industry, quote unquote, to build a, a brand, let's let's assume, right? But creating videos with the guys, you don't have to be necessarily on camera as the owner talking about mm. different things, but recording the employees on a job site doing specific things and then showing before and after, that builds credibility for the, for the company. It's one, th- in my opinion, You know, of course, you can fake uh, all kinds of reviews. Of course, you can fake uh, photos of before and after projects. It's hard to fake a video or multiple videos on a daily basis. And in my opinion, it builds credibility for the type of business that you want to create. Now, in, in my case, because I, one of my main topics is personal branding. So it has to do with building a brand for yourself as a person, now that person can be the owner of different businesses, and they may want to exit at some point one of those entities. So his brand would be the his personal brand would be the only thing that would not die off once he exits that company. So of course the the situations and scenarios could be endless in this yeah. case. Um, now we're also talking. Let's say take a photographer to the do the photographer need to do videos because he, can, he or she can take just photos of the work and then of course get more, you can challenge that and say yes or no, there's no right or wrong, right? Like at the end of the day, you can still grow your business and make maybe enough income just through photos. What would the videos do? Again, build more credibility for who's behind the camera type of thing. Now, can you make it without? There will be a challenge that you can just use direct response type of strategies, then you may not need to record a video every single day or you know once a week or a podcast or whatever It's not that you have to do it It's just in my opinion it compounds from a from a business standpoint. I'm not talking about the person necessarily that's just creating videos for the sake of creating videos like let's say you have I don't know a pa- a passion about golfing because you you brought up uh, uh-huh. golfing. Uh-huh. But you don't have a way to monetize, or you don't plan to. Like, do you have to do it? A hundred percent, you don't, right? Because there's there's no ROI correlated to that task. Now, when it comes to business, in my opinion, that's the answer. It's it would build credibility for, regardless what type of service you have to offer, for the other person at the end of um, the screen to believe more in what you have to do versus the company that's not doing it.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's yeah. the, you know. There's no right or wrong. Like you can. I, I agree with you. I think video is very, very powerful, and on social media nowadays or internet, you know, all the attention is going towards video, and of course you can maximize that. Of course, uh, but again, you know, some people. I'm just saying, there's strong. Some people that come to me, their strong suit, strong suit is not video, but they feel obligated to, to make it. videos. Maybe later, yes, but I'm saying play to your strengths suits now i mean unless you want to improve on that but yeah video i think video is good it's just right. you know no but
1: I, but i like how you um how you you know ask the question to especially to your customers because maybe there are people that are just really great writers like yeah uh, now with chat gpt those writers can pump a hundred <laughs> times more articles than than before right because now you have the experience of of a writer plus you put it on steroids, pretty much, with ChatGPT. Right? Like that's the way that I look at it. Yeah. Um, like writing, it's not my forte, but with that, you know, you, you take a tool like that and then you use it as a tool. You don't just copy and paste, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, that's a topic for a whole different. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, but
0: but to bring this back to confidence, right? Uh, like the like the example I just gave, I was questioning why we were even making videos in the first place. So when it comes to confidence. Uh, for the listeners out there, what do you think you need to question? That's the most important thing. Right? Um, Albert Einstein said, if he had one hour to save the world, he would spend 55 minutes on finding the right problem to solve and only five, five minutes, minutes to, to, to solve it. And so if you're asking yourself the wrong question, you might go down to a rabbit hole. So that, to the that. wrong
1: rabbit hole. That you never <laughs> yeah, over and <laughs> over. Totally and over get over that. There. So... What do you think, is there... Because um, you, you kind of dived a little bit into a few tactics as well. Is there one thing that people can do on a daily basis? Uh, I don't know if that means, <laughs> if that means working out to kind of get your dopamine in a different state of mind. Uh, is it... I don't know, like whatever... Yeah, I, I, I
0: personally call this the, the ask method. Mm. It's asking yourself asking yourself a question that you want to explore answer it yourself and then ask another question based off of how you answer it, and keep on digging down that way so let's use an example what's something what's something that you're trying to work on
1: something that I'm trying to work on um, right now yeah so I just gave you an example uh, before this interview with um, content creation when it comes to um, some of my Customers and even uh, our own business. So it was taking one um, video, one longer yeah. piece of content, and then instead of, because the, the main problem was just giving it to the editor and tell him, all right, now chop it up into uh, three, four shorter uh, videos. But then a lot of times those three, four shorter videos did not make a lot of sense in a one minute setting because maybe the conversation or the question that I was. Um, answering where I was asking, it was longer than that. So then we had to add a different person in the mix. So that was the okay. Was so one. so let's do this. It's okay? the process.
0: So let's ask a question. What is a question? So the the example could be, uh, why am I doing this? Right. If this if, if this is coming back to the the camera example, the question that I want to explore at the beginning question could be, why am I so nervous when I have to speak in front of a camera? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do I, why do I procrastinate? Uh, how do I do you know so I'm, I'm asking for you to frame a question at the beginning what question would you ask okay me? so
1: let's ask this to be specific to the uh, podcast topic so um, why why do I not have the confidence to speak on camera
0: okay then what would you say I'm, I'm trying to use you as a live example that's what I'm saying right? oh okay so, so how the, would you, you answer read so read how it. would you answer that so okay but that's why I'm saying why do I right because after you ask that question, then you answer it yourself, mm-hmm. either written down or you say it out loud. But uh, so let, let me take. Okay, so I'm I'll gonna. take it back. So
1: why why I don't have the confidence to speak on camera? I related back a couple of years ago okay. because of my accent.
0: Okay. Now, what question would you ask based on the answer you just gave?
1: What's the main reason that you think that your accent is so um, much affecting this?
0: Okay, and what would you say?
1: So then I would answer back. Uh, well, this is a hard question to ask to answer because I have <laughs> never asked myself this. Yeah, so what would you say? So I, I mean, if back then was the fact that uh, I was just—I don't know—it was an answer that I would probably say I don't know because I never actually had to face it. It was just me thinking about this. So it wasn't, yeah, I don't even know what to answer to that.
0: (laughs) Okay, so yeah, you can say, I I don't know. You can say, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Why I don't know. And then you can leave it for a little bit and then come back to it later. So what I'm saying is if you do this on a daily basis, you'll get a lot of shifts really, really quick because you're addressing it directly. And if you ever had a coach before, a mentor, this this is what they're doing to you all the time anyway. Same exact thing. They're just asking you for they're helping you dig down a little bit deeper.
1: Yes, I mean you ask you answer your own questions and then you realize that a lot of the things are just in your head.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> you don't have to ask why every single time. It could be, Oh, what do I mean by that? Right? When I when I say when I say people don't like my accent, what do I mean by that? And then you give yourself definitions and then you, can, you don't have to ask why the whole time. There's many different forms of things you can say to yourself. So it's yeah. having a conversation with yourself. With yourself,
1: yourself. Yeah. yeah. And do this every day, pretty much, when it comes to like whatever the things that you're struggling with. Like, this, I feel like this can apply in a lot of, right? Like Why I can't lose the last 10 pounds of fat that I want to lose? Yeah. Well, because of my diet. Why do I mess my diet? boom 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 and then it's right like you can go down this yeah. rabbit hole of, of questions like this can apply to anything not just the confidence everything
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so this is something that I, I try to aim to do as well
1: all right so uh, as we're getting close to wrapping things up how do you track your clients results when it comes to this I feel like it's it's so hard like do you have them report back to you with the things that they're still struggling after you work with them in terms of how no that's one sentence experience. I want
0: them to say I'm free from Speaking anxiety So that's And then How long uh, Is typically this taken? So that depends That's a great question How fast does it take For people to get over Their speaking anxiety Whether it's on camera Or meeting Or speaking It depends on how Open minded They are I know that sounds A little bit f- uh, f- You know Far fetched Right now yeah. Some clients Actually it's a week Or six days Sometimes it's a month Or two months It depends on how Question your accent. How fast do you think it would take you f- from back then to see it now? You know what I mean? It's like, you, did you really change anything? I mean, what did I you change? I probably
1: did more videos, and then with time, I forgot about it. Then yeah, I but it.
0: what did you change about the accent? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I just
1: thought about the way thinking about it. That's it. Okay.
0: Because you didn't even, Now, that's what I mean. Some people, if they're more open-minded... Do you you see the way that you see your accent Is not the way that you saw your accent
1: Oh 100%
0: 100%. So the faster you are about being open minded About how you're looking at your situation Change Change can be easy if you let it Because it's merely a change in perception It's kind of like saying A funeral versus a celebration of life It's it's just just a different way Of looking at it So it can be fast if you let it
1: Right, no that makes uh, perfect sense What's one question you wished I would have asked you and I haven't?
0: I think one question would be, if I have speaking anxiety, what's the question I need to ask myself?
1: All right? And what's the question that we should ask ourselves?
0: Why Why am I looking at my situation this way?
1: Why am I looking at my situation this way? Yeah, so if this and is... Then the, from there, go to the...
0: Yeah, so if this is the monster rat Why am I seeing this rat as a monster? How did I come to that conclusion?
1: I like that. Yeah. I guess it's... uh, and It it will apply to everybody in their own way because we all have different reasons why we think about this. Um, Have you had a chance to compile the reasons in like three categories or maybe less of why people... um, have
0: this. Oh yeah, definitely So the, the, the most common beliefs That's leading to Speaking anxiety Doesn't matter if it's on camera Or on, 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 in front of, front of people uh, There are a few People are going to be judging me And they're going to be judging me Negatively I or my ideas don't matter, as in if I share something, what I say is not important, what I say is not interesting, what I say is, you know, people won't like it. Uh, being seen as nervous is bad or weak. People can't see me as being nervous, right? Uh, mistakes and failure I, uh, are bad. Um, I need to do things perfectly for people to accept me. So these are just a few. So it's the co- these are the, some of the common beliefs that people have when it comes to contributing to their speaking anxiety.
1: Gotcha. All right. So uh, what I like to do on every episode is to give people two simple tasks to do. One, something that they can do at the end of this episode to work on their uh, process of building more confidence. And then one that they can do for the rest of their life, maybe for for the next six to eight months. Let's say somebody has a goal. um, Like, let's say... You know, maybe they have a speaking engagement or maybe they, they plan, hey, I'm planning to launch this webinar in six months or maybe I plan to launch whatever show. Maybe I start interviewing people, right? Like that's another um, skill set that I feel a lot of times. Like one of my main problems was I was, especially at first and Pat Flynn, when I interviewed uh-huh. him, uh-huh. I asked him at, first, at at the end, what do you think I've done wrong and what can, how can I improve? And then <laughs> he said straight up, he said, it's not that you... Didn't necessarily wrong. Maybe nobody told you this, but you should stop looking at the scripted questions so much. Not that I'm looking at it like physically, but try to dig more based on the answers that the person has. Yeah. So you know that was one thing uh, that I that I I'd love to hear. So let's give people one thing that they can do at the end of this episode, and one that they can do for. Uh, the next couple Yeah months I would
0: say Based on some of the things That we We talked about Is one Start using the ask method How can you write down today Take like two minutes You don't even need Five minutes Take two minutes Write down a question Question it Answer it And then question it And then answer it again Just do it Three four times now That's one immediate thing Okay And then deal. long term Long term I would say Really just uh, Right, let me let me think about this for a second.
1: And this can be, you know, yeah for the next it can be three months, it can be for the next three, six weeks or whatever, or it can be something that they can do for forever until they reach that goal of okay, now I have enough confidence to speak on camera, maybe speak on stage, whatever it is. Yeah.
0: So I would say cause as you can see, I, I'm I'm leaning towards the, the mindset side. Oh, oh, and I like
1: that because it's something that can, um, can be evergreen for ever.
0: So the long-term side is how can you pick a new mindset that you want to have and find experiences that prove that mindset correct? So as, as, as an example, let's say the new mindset is my accent is actually what draws people to me. In the That's next one. one year, how can I find experiences that would validate that?
1: I mean, I can even answer right now. Like, I've had a lot of experiences like that, especially at events when people were just listening to me for like a minute or two. The first question was, where are you from? <laughs> right? Because you immediately you yeah, have yeah. the... Um, yeah, yeah. You so, realize... So, yeah, so, so, so
0: let's say if people are on camera... The, the new belief could be how can I find experiences that would validate me not looking perfect on camera? Okay. How can That's I find game. experiences where I'm just shooting on my phone and it's the, the background is my bed? How can I find experiences that would validate that I don't need to be perfect when I need to show up on camera?
1: I want to make a joke on that. Yeah, <laughs> If you are on, on your phone or whatever camera, now there are a lot of tricks where as long as you are Far enough, like separating yourself from the from the background, you can make it blurry. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was just a side thing. All right. <laughs> so something that I can do at the end of this episode is uh, start using the ask method like you ask yourself. And then long-term, um, find experiences that would validate the fact that you might be wrong when you're thinking in the wrong mindset. I mean, uh, yeah. you are wrong. Different mindset. <laughs> different mindset. And then uh, change that. I love it. All right. So if people want to uh, connect with you, what's your favorite um, place? Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, where, where do you want people to go?
0: Yeah, thank you for asking. You can go to BostonSpeaks.com. Boston and then S-P-E-A-K-S.com. That's
1: Should it. All the information is there. That's it. That's awesome. It. Well, thanks a lot uh, again, kid, for being on the show. Um, Do you feel like it's one thing that you want to leave the audience with outside of what we talked about? Maybe a quote that you like or some, I don't know, any any kind of message?
0: The best speakers are human. Boom. Mic drop. Yes, that's it. Well, man, thank you for for having me. 100%, man. This was awesome. Brand All
1: right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Brand Up Podcast. I hope you found this episode helpful, and hopefully you'll implement it because knowledge without action means nothing, as we all know, right? Now, if you're inspired to build an unstoppable brand that conquers sales and implement a predictable client acquisition system, my Brand Up Accelerator program is here to help you do just that. So what we do inside, the accelerator. It's a nine-step process. So first step is, of course, we have to do an assessment and understand exactly where your brand is at. Do you need help with it within your business or you need help with separating your personal brand from your business? I think that's really important. Step number two is we do a little bit of goal setting because we have to understand where, where we are, but then we need to know where we're going to go. Step three is we do a brand development strategy. Number four is the client acquisition plan itself because we need to to know how we're going to acquire customers what is the offer looking like things like that step number five is the content creation and also the platforms that you need to focus some people need to focus just on one some people need to focus on multiple depending how big the team is depending you know how many resources they have number six is collaborations and possible podcast connections number seven is the sales process number eight is paid ads Because up until 0.7, we pretty much build the fire. And the paid ads, in my opinion, is literally the gasoline that you put on top of it. And number nine, we implement and refine because we need to understand what works and do more of that. So if you're ready to take your personal brand and business to the new heights, head over to brandupaccelerator.com to learn more and apply now. Thanks again for listening, guys. And I'll catch you in the next episode.